Hi, and welcome to the Church Unlimited podcast. Church Unlimited is a vibrant, Bible-based church in North Lakes, Queensland, that is passionate about helping people discover the genuine love of Jesus. If you're currently looking for a home church, we would love for you to join us for Sunday worship. For more information about our Sunday service or to find out how we can best help you, head to our website at churchunlimited.com.au. We hope you enjoy this message from Sunday service. Well, I'm excited because uh, we're going to be continuing our series on Numa. Numa is the Greek word that is used to describe Holy Spirit. And so we, we're, we're going back to the Greek word of Numa. We're, we're, we're digging in over the next couple of weeks on, on the understanding of who Holy Spirit is and what he does and how he operates in our lives. And when you read the Bible from the beginning to the end, you understand that God is progressively revealing himself more and more to his people. He shows up to Moses and he says, My name is, I am who I am. What kind of name is that? I am who I am. That makes no sense. And if I'm Moses, I'm like, and Moses is like, what shall I call you? And he goes, I am who I am. And I'm like, I don't know what to do with that. And progressively, we see the Israelites get a better understanding of who God is. They start, they, they, they come up with their own, they're like, we don't like your name, God. We'll give you our own. We'll call you Yahweh and Adonai and Jehovah, and, and, which I think is kind of funny. And, um, but, but, you know, they're starting to understand God more and more as we understand that he is Jehovah Jireh. He is the provider. He is uh, Jehovah Shalom. He is my peace. And as we understand him more, we attribute names to him to help to describe him. Ultimately, God reveals himself to us the clearest in Jesus. And this is what makes Jesus so significant because Jesus is Emmanuel. His name is Emmanuel, God with us. And whenever we see Jesus doing and Jesus saying and the way we see Jesus behaving and the way we see Jesus operating and the way we see Jesus treating people is how we see the heart and the nature of God. And, and so whenever you read about Jesus, you're literally learning more and more about who God is and how he operates. But this is what Jesus says to us. He says, hey, don't, don't, don't just don't, I'm going to go away and Father is going to give you the Holy Spirit, the pneuma. And, and you are to knock for him and seek for him and ask for him. You're to desire the Holy Spirit. And if you desire the Holy Spirit, Father will give him to you. Yeah. And, and, and Jesus is saying, hey, I, I can't stay on earth forever. I'm, I, I've taken human form. Plus, how can one guy impact the whole world? One guy, I mean, imagine a billion Christians on the earth trying to get to a Jesus meeting. The traffic. You think it's bad finding a car park out here. So Jesus says, no, it's to your advantage that I go away to heaven because when I go away to heaven, I will send you the Holy Spirit, the pneuma, and he won't just inhabit and dwell around you. He'll dwell in you and his presence will come and, and fill you. And, and so we started to unpack this idea last week as, as Holy Spirit is a new dimension of God revealed to us through Jesus. 
And when you read Scripture holistically, you understand that whilst God is one God, He actually reveals Himself to us in three different ways, three different persons. We have God the Father, God the Creator. We have God the Son in Jesus. And God Holy Spirit revealed to us as well. And that's the pneuma. And so it's so important that we start to understand when we're talking about Holy Spirit, we're not talking about some energy or some force in the earth. We're literally talking about the nature of who God is. He, it's God. Holy Spirit is God. And this is where we get the understanding of the doctrine of the Trinity. That it's one God in three persons. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And it's so important that we learn how to engage with each dimension of God. In fact, it's so beautiful to watch Father, Son, and Holy Spirit work together because the Father so loved the world that He revealed His Son. But the Son so loved the Father that He came to reveal the mysteries of the Father. And Jesus says, hey, hey, knock, seek, and ask, and the Father will reveal to you the Holy Spirit. And it's so beautiful watching how right throughout Scripture, Father and Son and Holy Spirit are continually working together as one, but revealing themselves to us in three different ways. Ultimately, we see Holy Spirit reveal Christ in Matthew chapter 3. In Matthew chapter 3, we, we know that Jesus is called by God to go to the Jordan River to see his cousin, John the Baptist. Have a guess what he did for work. He baptized. And so he goes to John the Baptist and he says, I'm here to be baptized. And John goes, you're here to do what? It's like what Joe was saying before about, I'm a man. Amen. In the first service when Joe said, imagine Jesus stooping down, washing your feet. I, I struggled to, to imagine that. I don't Anybody else out there? That's a really hard thing to, un, to get your head around. I couldn't imagine what Peter would be like. As if you're going to do that for me. Well, that's what John the Baptist was like. As if I'm going to baptize you, mate. No, you baptize me. And Jesus says, no, it has to be like this. And we see that Jesus gets baptized under the water. And as he comes up, He's not just baptized in water, but the spirit, the pneuma, descends down upon Jesus like a dove and rests upon him. And there is a new authority, a new anointing that comes upon Jesus. There's something there that wasn't there before. You like that, didn't you, Lana? That was for you. Jesus... Well, well, we know Jesus was born in the Spirit. The Spirit says that, well, the Word of God says that the Spirit came upon Mary and she conceived Jesus. He was born in the Spirit to start with. Why did he need this? Because this was the moment that power from on high comes upon him and activates him to go out and be the Messiah. Up until this moment in Jesus' life, he's not working miracles yet. He's not doing signs and wonders. He's not healing the sick. He's not raising the dead. But from this moment on, it's on for his ministry to begin in the earth. God had him preparing. He was born in the Spirit. 
But then he was empowered in the Holy Spirit when the Spirit comes upon him. From this moment on, he goes out and he collects his guys. And then he goes and he turns the water into wine and starts doing amazing, amazing miracles. And it was the signs and wonders that confirmed and affirmed him as the Son of God. It was the Spirit upon him that set him apart from every other voice in that time. And it was so critical that Jesus had that moment of baptism. And so last week we said that that Holy Spirit, when we're born again, He dwells within us. And by the way, it's critical that we are born again. It's critical that we're not just sinners that show up for meetings looking for a bit of behavior modification. It's so important. So many of us, oh yeah, well, you know, had a bit of a crap week this week. So, you know, I better go to church and get some tingles. That preacher will preach me back up again. Can I be honest with you? That's not Christianity. Christianity actually looks like me laying down my life. You can't be born again if you are not first dead to yourself. People are like, the tithe? God wants 10% of my money. I say, no, mate. He wants everything. He wants your whole life. That's what to be, that's a Christian. I am a Christ follower. I'm crucified with Christ and it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And this life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and he gave himself up for me. Man. So I'm, I'm dead, which is why we, last week we had water baptisms and, and we had the pool in here and, and we had those, the, those great guys get in the pool and, and they were baptized, which was symbolic of them dying. Fun. How many of you love dying? How many of you love when it's uncomfortable and hard and, God, I feel like I'm dying. And he goes, yes, exactly. Because when you're dead, when it's, when it's less of you, There can be more of him. When I am dead to myself, I can be born again. Born again, not of the flesh, but born again of the spirit. Oh, come on. There's nothing greater than that. There is nothing greater on the earth than to be born again. It is the single greatest thing. That's the only cure for humanity is to be born again of the spirit of God. That we can know what it's like to know Jesus. And have him forgive us. But we said when we're born again, that the Spirit of God doesn't dwell externally, as Jesus dwelt externally, but he dwells internally. You know, in Sunday school, you're taught, you know, Jesus, you know, he lives in your heart. And I say, well, that would be really uncomfortable to have a six foot something Jewish man living inside of my little pumping heart would just, it would kill me. So how does he live in my heart? Well, he lives in me through his Holy Spirit. And it's important that we understand that that Emmanuel, Christ incarnate, does not live in your heart. (laughs) You would be dead um, physically. But, But Jesus, the Spirit of Christ, who raised Christ from the dead, he lives in us. And he dwells within us. And so last week we said he does a couple of things. Number one, he says, first and foremost, he reveals truth to us. 
I, I, actually, I actually wouldn't know truth until God reveals it to me through his Holy Spirit. This is why it's so important that we as Christians or believers understand that when the Spirit reveals to us, He first, Spirit doesn't speak to mind, Spirit speaks to Spirit. And He doesn't first make it sense in your mind, He first reveals it to your Spirit. And this is so important that we understand that there are truths in here that make total sense in your Spirit, but don't make sense in your mind. Like tithing. Like, who wants to do that? It's a terrible... Who wouldn't rather have 10% more in your bank? But God understands a greater principle. And whilst it took my mind a minute or two to get around the idea of tithing, it made total sense in my spirit as the spirit was revealing that to me as truth. And I have to respond according to spirit because I'm born again of the spirit. I have to keep doing the spirit thing Trusting that my mind will catch up later. That's so different to how many people operate with God. We're waiting to understand it all in our minds. Well, you know, how exactly does healing work? Well, I'm not really going to go after healing until I, you know, I've got the theology of it all. I think you're crazy. No, it makes sense in my spirit because he said I can have it. So I'm going to go after it because it... My spirit, spirit revealed to spirit, and now I'm able to go after the things of the spirit. And I'm just hoping that this little ticker can catch up. I mean, imagine trying to get your finite mind wrapped around the infinite nature of who God is. No wonder you have a headache sometimes when you read your Bible. Your spirit is pumping, but your head's going, oh, this is too much. That happens to me all the time. If that happens to you, relax. You're normal. And so it's so important. Now, by the way, we don't want to just be spiritual fruitcakes that have all the revelation with no understanding. All right? Let's, let's not do that. I don't, I don't want stupid Christians. The church doesn't need any more dumb Christians. We got enough. All right? So, so we want the Holy Spirit to reveal things in our spirits. But then we need to go to the Word of God and unpack it and get the understanding to reinforce the truth that we already have inside of us. Okay? I hope you're not insulted. This church is not a dumb church because I'm a Bible preacher. I'm not a pop culture preacher. Second thing that the Holy Spirit does is he convicts. He says he convicts our hearts. I'm not here to convict you or condemn you. I'm here to open the word of God and teach the word of God. And then let the, let the Holy Spirit speak to you and outwork in here what he needs to do in you. And what he's doing in you is different to what he's doing in me. So, so I'm not, I'm, I don't turn a blind eye towards sin. But can I tell you right now, if you've got stuff in your life that's out of order, relax. In the right timing, the Holy Spirit will put his finger on things and start to show you, convict you, how you need to respond. The third thing he does is he surrounds us with his continual presence. Jesus ascended into heaven, but his presence is still here with me on earth through his Holy Spirit. The next thing he does is he transforms me. As he's speaking truth to me and he's convicting me, he's transforming me. Not from the outside in, but from the inside out. 
things are making sense in here before they're bearing fruit out here. And so I need to go on that journey where I'm letting him go, God, I must decrease that you would increase in me and come out of me. Bear fruit in me. But fruit only is connected as I'm connected to you in the vine of the Holy Spirit. And so he's transforming me. And then we said he leads me. He leads me. He's showing me the way to go. And I love the more we dig into the Holy Spirit, the more you start to see all the beautiful things that he does in our lives and and how we're helpless and lost without him. But he didn't just come to dwell in us. He came to fill us. And if we see Jesus born of the Spirit, well, we need to be like Jesus. So I need to be born again of the Spirit. And if we see Jesus receive anointing from Holy Spirit on high, so much more do we need to receive anointing from on high. That's called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And that's really what I want to drill down on with our time left In Acts chapter 1, verse 4, Jesus says, all together, he's gathered 500 people together. And he says, well, he doesn't say, he commands them. Do not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father. I love this. When you start to understand the Trinity, you see the Trinity in everything in the Scripture. You've got the Son saying there's a promise of the Father... And then he says, what's the promise of the Father? Well, you've heard from me that John baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So you got the Son revealing the Father who's going to send the Holy... I love it. I'm a nerd about the Trinity. I think it's awesome. You will be baptized not many days from now. Oh, okay. Interesting. Wait here. Don't depart from Jerusalem. Wait. 500. Wait. But then the disciples said, therefore, when they had come together, they asked him saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times of the seasons, which the father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when he had spoken these things while they watched He was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. There's a couple of interesting things about this passage that we need to unpack. The first one is, who is the them that Jesus is talking to? Who's Jesus talking to when he says, hey, wait, don't depart from Jerusalem? Was he talking to Pharisees? Was he talking to Jews? Was he talking to... Romans? Who was he talking to? And the answer is, he was talking to his disciples. He was talking to his followers, believers, Christians. He's telling these Christians, hey, you are born again, but wait, there is more coming. Yes, you're saved. Yes, you're going to heaven. Yes, you're my follower. Yes, I'm the Lord of your life. Mate, you're all good. But there's more. There's more coming for you. He says, in not many days from now, you'll be baptized in the Holy Spirit. 
I love that. Baptized in the Holy Spirit. He says, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now, the thing we have to understand about that word baptized is that word baptized is the Greek word baptizo. And the word baptizo literally means to be fully immersed, fully soaked, fully marinated. It's, 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 it's why we don't, you know, when we baptize, we get the pool and we fill the pool up. And I tell my guys, get them all the way under. Amen. I don't want, I mean, he knows every hair that's on your head, right? Well, every one of them better be baptized. <laughs> you know, it's like, you don't want to come out and go, oh, there was three dry ones. Get them in again. Because yeah. the word is to be fully immersed. To be fully under the water. Because why? Because you need to be fully dead. You don't want to, well, I'm, I'm mostly dead, but I had a hand sticking out, and this hand gets me into trouble. The whole rest of me is, you know, I come and I worship Jesus with this hand, and I do shenanigans with this one. No, get the whole thing in the water and get it fully immersed, fully baptized, fully done. <laughs> dead. Why? So you can come up. Don't worry, Brad will bring you back out. So we. We grab you and we bring you back out. You're like, oh, the Shekinah glory of God comes. Being baptized, man, I'll never forget my baptism. It was the best. And it was also pretty common at the same time. But I just was like, yes, my life is totally sold out. I don't want a bit of sauce on my head. I want to be fully marinated. I want to... Mate, you can get a little bit of sauce. You can get a little bit of mushroom on the mushroom sauce on the steak. But what you really want is that steak that has been fully marinating. And that's what happens when we're immersed, fully soaked in the water. But it also uses that same word when it comes to the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That you would be fully immersed fully soaked, drenched in his power and his authority and his anointing. Not, not just a, oh yeah, come to church on Sunday and get a little sprinkle. Oh, I feel better. Thanks, James. I can have a good week now. No, it's got to be more than that. No, you've got to be totally, totally baptized in the Holy Ghost that his power and his presence and his glory would just come and and resurrect your dead body. What does it say? He who wants to gain his life must lose it. But if he loses it, oh baby, you will find it. You don't find abundant life until you're first fully baptized, dead, and fully baptized in the Holy Ghost, where you are anointed in his power that comes upon you. It's so important that we read it and understand it like this. So what was the disciples' response? Well, Jesus is talking about something amazing, like the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And the disciples have the gall to say, okay, but when are you going to restore Israel? Jesus is saying, you muppets, I'm talking about the kingdom of God, and you're talking about this? You're, 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 you, you, I'm talking about spirit and in truth, and you're talking about 
restoring Israel. He goes, I'm not even here to restore Israel. And we honor Israel, and we will pray for Israel, and we will stand with Israel. But he goes, but my new covenant isn't with Israel. My new covenant is with the Spirit. And so he goes, guys, you're missing the point. It's none of your business what I'm doing with Israel. What is your business is what I'm doing with the Spirit. What I'm doing with the pneuma. What I'm doing, and I'm trying to get you baptized in the Holy Ghost, but you're asking dumb questions. And so we come to Acts 2. It says, there was 120 people that bothered to wait for the day of Pentecost. It says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each one of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. What? That is wild. That is wild. And this is exactly what Jesus is telling them to wait for. But the problem is he told 500 to wait and only 120 waited. 380 were committed just the first part of it. They were like, yeah, well, we're good. I'm good. I heard about that. Yeah, I've read about those kooky Pentecostal things happening. I'm not real interested in all that. I'm just good to be saved. The problem is we are content to live with only part of the the aspect that Jesus has given us. We're good to be born again, but we are not to be good to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And we don't have a hunger and a presence for the things that he tells us to hunger for. Why? Because it doesn't make sense in my mind, mate. I've seen those kooky meetings. I've seen people fall down. One lady almost busted her hip. She needed healing from the healing. Oh, I don't know about that speaking in tongues business. Could you imagine? They're all talking in tongues. Vernon, there's tongues on your head and you're on fire, bro. Dan, you're on fire. James, you're on. What are we doing? This is nuts. And what happens is whenever God does something that is outside of our paradigm, we have a choice to make. Am I going to go with what's really been revealed in the spirit, even though my understanding doesn't make sense? Or am I just going to go with what I think makes sense? And I just not well, you know. I know whole churches that have literally ripped the book of Acts out of their Bible. And if you've done that in your heart, you're missing out on the mandate of the church. We don't exist without the book of Acts. And so there's a couple of things. Number one, you've got to understand this is the fulfillment of what Jesus told them to wait for. Can I just tell you, if Jesus is telling you something, even if it sounds weird or bad, it's always good. Because he's always good. There's, Jesus doesn't have off days. He goes, well, I, you know, I knew it was going to be a bit weird. I didn't know it was going to be like that. No, Jesus knew exactly what it was going to be like, and he said it's good, and he told you to wait for it and hunger for it. The second thing we know is that this wasn't new. This is exactly what Joel prophesied 900 years earlier. The prophet Joel prophesied to the Israelites, hey, 
And it shall come to pass afterwards that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. And on my men servants and my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Huh. They knew that it was coming. That this was not some, what's this weird aspect that Jesus came to bring? No, this was right in alignment with everything that they were expecting. And we know this to be the case because the Apostle Paul turns around and quotes that exact passage in Acts chapter 2. They have the upper room experience in Acts chapter, one to four, uh, Acts chapter 2, 1 to 4. But then in 17 and 18, he comments the same passage. He quotes, and it shall come to pass in the last days, says God. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters will prophesy, and your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. And on your men's servants and your maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy. This is hugely significant because this is marking in the time of history where Holy Spirit is not just revealed to a few every now and again for certain projects. But Holy Spirit is now being made available to everyone. To, to men and women. To the old and the young. To, the, to those that are, that are free and those that are bound up. Everybody can receive baptism of the Holy Spirit. So directly after this, after Peter quotes that great passage... He goes and he preaches the gospel. Interesting. And you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you shall be my witnesses. Interesting. So Peter preaches this phenomenal sermon. 3,000 people get saved in one meeting. What an awesome meeting. I would have loved to have been in that meeting. And this is what it says in verse 37. And when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brothers, what shall we do? How do we respond to this? See here, Holy Spirit's revealing truth. Holy Spirit's convicting hearts. And now they're crying out, what do we do? And this is what Peter says to them. Repent. Let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of Holy Spirit. Repent. Turn from your old ways. Turn from your ways to God's ways. Be baptized in the water. No, 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 no. Don't go to Pastor Brad's baptism class. Get in the flipping pool. There was no, oh, well, I'm not sure. I didn't do Alpha yet. It's just we did. We, we, we just obeyed. We just, yep. It's, I got I, I to turn my life to Jesus I got to die from my old life, which is get in the pool. And then it's receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Well, what's the gift of the Holy Spirit? The same thing that just happened to these guys. That's exactly full immersion, baptizo. And then he says, for the promises to you, to your children, all who are far off, and as many as the Lord our God will call. That's interesting. That's to you, the believer. You, the unbeliever. 
your children, future generations, those that didn't make the meeting, and really anybody who God will call can receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I love this. And so this is so critical that we understand like this. And I want to rip through real quick, and I want to invite the team to come. But there's some critical components that we have to understand about why. Why do we receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? What's the significance? Why? What's the point? So there's four things. The first one is we see that when they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it accompanied speaking in tongues. Now, I'll be truthful. I have been speaking in tongues now for 23 years, and I still think it's weird. I think it's totally weird. I speak in tongues, and sometimes I go, what am I even saying? In fact, when I first started speaking in tongues, nobody else was speaking in tongues. No preachers were going on around laying on hands. I was in a worship conference. I was singing these beautiful songs in English. Shout to the Lord, all the Orora, Sandarada, Sedate, Rorobo, Sundarama, Sambarada, baby, I remember literally having a moment where my mind was going, What are you doing? What are you doing? I hadn't been to Bible college. I'd never heard great preaching like this before. <laughs> Nobody had opened these scriptures to me before. But in my spirit, something was happening as spirit was giving me utterance. And it literally starts coming up out of me. And, and I didn't worship in English. I just started speaking in tongues and and then I started yelling in tongues. And then I, then I was like, people are hearing you. And I was like, my mind is saying, people are hearing you. And my spirit's going, I want more of God. Amen. Come on. I want more of God. This is exactly what happens in Scripture. It says, and, and there appeared to be divided tongues as of fire. And they sat upon each of them. And people around were going, what the heck is that? It made no sense here but total sense here and I'm really grateful for the Apostle Paul because he helps us get sense about it here he doesn't just leave us with a kooky feeling he helps ground it with understanding this is what he says in 1 Corinthians 14 he says pursue love and desire spiritual gifts but especially that you may prophesy for he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but he speaks to God, for no one understands him. However, in the Spirit, he speaks mysteries. Okay, so, so that helps me. That when I speak in tongues, I'm not speaking to myself or to you, I'm speaking to God. And it's mysteries to my mind, but it makes sense to God, and it makes sense in my spirit, even though I don't understand it here then he says but he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men he who speaks in a tongue edifies or builds himself up but he who prophesies edifies the church he goes I wish you all spoke with tongues cool but even more so that you prophesied for he who prophesies 
is greater than he who speaks in tongues unless indeed he interprets that the church might receive edification. Some people might read that and say, oh, well, you know, he's telling me that prophecy is better. And, and yes, he is, because it's a message to the church. This was not a message to James Hensley. This was a message to the church of Corinth. And he was trying to tell them that when you speak in tongues, as good as that is, and I hope you all do it, it builds you up. But when you prophesy, you build everyone up. So when we're in a corporate meeting, let's build everybody up. But privately, don't stop building your own spirit up. It's not one or the other. It's both. I need to speak in tongues because when I speak in tongues, I build myself up. Jude verse 20 says this, But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith by praying in the Holy Spirit. It's so important that I keep speaking in tongues. Because when I speak in tongues, I'm building my spirit to be stronger. I'm literally bypassing my mind and I'm engaging my spirit. This is where my spirit connects and speaks directly to the Holy Spirit. Now, we're going to run out of time. And, and it's okay because next week I'm, we're, we're in a series here. We're going to come and pick some of this other stuff up. But just know... I wasn't baptized in the Holy Spirit to speak in tongues. That's not why I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. Speaking in tongues is a byproduct of being, being baptized in the Holy Spirit. The reason that I was baptized in the Holy Spirit is found in Acts 1.8. It says, and you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. And we're going to pick this up next week as we start to talk about what the anointing of baptism in the Holy Spirit actually came to do to release us. But I want to land this message here. The guys in the first service got too much. I'm giving you the right amount. But, but I, I'm, I'm convinced. And, and by the way, there's actually five other instances in the book of Acts where it talks about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So many people have this idea that, well, no, it's only available to the, to the clergy, to the apostles and the prophets and the pastors. And the... No, mate, it's available to you and your children and all who are far off and as many as the Lord will call. And, 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 and it's so important that we don't just sit back and go, oh, well, you know, I'm born again and and I come to Sunday church and I get a little bit of sprinkle and I'm good. Because you're not, you're not, we can't just live by a little bit of sprinkle. This life is too much. I need to leave completely immersed, soaked in the Holy Spirit. I need Him and His presence around my life in every area of my life. And so I'm going to skip these other points. And I want to come and land here. How do we receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Some people are like, do I have to stand on one leg? Pat my tummy and rub my... What do I do? I can't even do that. Well, I'm stuffed. No. Oh, you, this kid can do it. Stop it. Some of you wanted to try. This is what it says in Luke 19. Jesus says, I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. And you will find. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be open for you. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be open. And, and later on, just a little bit lower, it says, 
And everybody who asks for the Holy Spirit, Father will give it to them. So what's the point there? Well, hunger. You gotta want, you gotta tell you, I want this. I'm not gonna sit by and just be a, a first-tier Christian. It's, it's great that you're born again. I love that you're born again. Some of you might not even be born again yet. We can fix that. But you, you, you got to understand that God didn't just want us to be born again. He wanted us to be baptized in the Holy Spirit so we can operate as He does. And He gives us so much biblical understanding to validate that this is for you and for me and for everybody who calls on the name of Jesus. The second thing is we've got to position ourselves in unity. It says when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were together in one accord. Well, they weren't all together. Only the ones who wanted it came together. Only the ones who said, yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. I don't want to just be satisfied with some. I want it all, Lord. And that's where we're at today. We're gathered together here today. And then in Acts 19, we see that that the disciples showed up and, and, and or the apostles and Paul shows up to the Ephesians. And it says when they heard this great word that they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. And now there were about 12 in all. You just got to have faith to receive gotta have hunger that says God I want everything you have from my life I want it got to be together in the body and we've got to have faith to go God I want as as we as we as we lay hands I want to receive it's it's one thing for me to to give it's another thing for you to receive and there's there's got to be a faith in your heart that says I'm not going to just wait till you give it to me I'm going to I'm going to draw it from you We see it with the woman with the flow of blood. She wasn't waiting for Jesus to give. She was going up to touch the hem of his garment to receive with or without his permission. Because she knew that he had what she needed. How hungry are you for more of the Holy Ghost in your life? I I don't know about you, but man, I've been filled up with the Holy Ghost so many times. And I I need it every day. I need need more of you every day. Less of me. More of you. Would you stand to your feet? We're going to pray for people here. We're going to open the worship and open the altar. I'm aware that there's different kinds of people in the room. I'm aware that there might be people here this morning and you would say, you know what? I'm not even born again, James. I don't yet know Jesus. I don't know what it's like to be forgiven of my sins. I'm not in right relationship with God. Can I tell you? I know what that's like. I've been there. I know what it's like to be totally not connected to God and just to be trapped in my own self. But there came a moment where I had to stop putting faith in myself to fix it and put my faith in Jesus. And maybe you're here today and you would say, you know what, today I need to put my faith in Jesus. I need to stop living for my own self and I need to give him my life. I've got a bit of a mess. Can I tell you, you can give him your mess and he will make a miracle with your mess. And because he's done it for me and if he'll do it for me, man, he sure as heck will do it for you. And so before we go further, I just wonder, maybe we could bow our heads for just a moment. And the reason we, get, we bow our heads is so we can get honest with ourselves. 
Are there people here, are you here today and you say, James, I need to know the forgiveness of God. I need to know what it means to be, to be forgiven and saved. And I need to give my life to Jesus this morning. If that's you and you're here and you say, James, I need to do that. Would you, would you give me a little wave? I want to pray with you right here and right now. I don't want to embarrass you this morning, but I don't want to move on from this meeting without giving people the opportunity to surrender their lives to Jesus. Is there one that would say, I need to do that today? Okay. Okay. The next thing I want to do is I want to pray for people who want the more that God has in store for you. And so I want to pray for two different types of groups. This group over here, we're going to invite our, our team. In fact, can our prayer team come? And uh, I, I would like people over here um, to pray for people to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit with speaking in tongues. You need it. You need it so much that Jesus said you need it. In fact, he said, and these signs will follow those who believe. They'll cast out demons. They'll speak in new tongues. This is just Jesus said you need it. So we want to pray for people to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit who've never received that before. And don't worry, you're still, you're saved. You're good. God loves you. But he loves you so much, he's got more for you. Don't be content. Don't sit back and go, oh, well, I'm pretty comfortable in my Christianity. Haha, <laughs> newsflash, there's no such thing as comfortable Christianity. There's only uncomfortable Christianity and you need the Holy Spirit to help you get through it. As if you would try to do that on your own. That's crazy. So come, we would love to pray with you. You don't even need an invitation. You can come right now if you're that hungry. But there are other people in the room and you're like, you know what? I have received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but I just want a fresh touch of God. Good. I live there all the time. I just want a fresh touch of God all the time. All the time. I'm not satisfied. He has more for me every day. And I just want more of Him. And we want to pray for you to receive the refreshing power of the Holy Ghost to come and light you on fire again. Maybe you were on fire, but you're not on fire anymore. Well, guess what? It's time to fan into flame the gift of God that was deposited in you through the laying on of hands. It's time to awaken the fire of God in you again. And maybe you're here and you're like, you know what? I used to do that. I, I, when I was young, I used to speak in tongues. Can I tell you? Stop that. Stop used toing. There's no use to. God has that for you today. We need to activate that grace and that gift in our lives and, and say, God, I want more of you. And so come on, would you lift your hands? Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Holy Spirit, we know you are here with us because you came with us. You inhabit us. But God, you want more than just to dwell in us. You want to fill us. You want to release your fire. You want to release your baptism. You want us to be totally soaked, totally immersed in your glory. God, we thank you right now that there is an anointing in this room to dispatch the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We thank you, Holy Spirit. You've got a fresh touch for every person that you've drawn unto yourself this morning. And we thank you right now. I speak an impartation of faith.
Not just to sit back and be passive, but to receive. Come on, let yourself turn on your receiver this morning. Would you let yourself go, yes, I want everything that God has for me. Come on, if that's you, would you start to come now? Would you come and say, God, I want more, 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 more of your anointing, more of your baptism, more of your fire, more of your glory, Lord. I want to receive the tongues. I want to receive the anointing. Come on, don't sit back passively. Come on, reach out in faith this morning. We thank you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thanks for joining us. We pray that you and your family are richly blessed by the love and grace of Jesus. If you're ever in the area, we would love for you to join us for Sunday worship. 